0: morning, church. We serve an incredible God. We know that, and we are thankful to him for all of the rich blessings that he bestows upon us daily. So many of those blessings, uh, many people in the world do not recognize, but God's people, we recognize the goodness of our God. We're glad that you're here this morning, both members and visitors alike. We thank God for Your attendance, for those who are online, we thank God for you being with us today. Let us please go together to God in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise your holy and divine name. We hallow your name, Lord God, for you. You are magnificent and awesome, holy and true. Help us today, Lord God, as we worship you, to keep our minds on you, on your word, your will, and your way and to keep our minds away from worldly thought, that we might worship you in spirit and in truth, bringing glory to your name. Help us never to forget Jesus, your great son, in whom you have so willingly sent to die on that cruel, cruel cross of Calvary, who died in our stead, who died so willingly to accomplish the will of the Godhead. Thank you, Lord God, for this amazing opportunity this morning that you granted to us this day. These things we ask and pray, in that wonderful, magnificent, most awesome, holy, and precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to be Thy will, Amen. Please turn to Luke chapter sixteen. We're talking this morning up wrong lessons up by the way. We're talking this morning about focusing on heaven. <laughs> focusing on heaven tonight, we'll get to hallowed be Thy name. Focusing on. Heaven, the joy of being a child of God. There's nothing like being a child of God. Last week we talked about transcending. We're going to talk a little more about transcending as we think about focusing on heaven. How in the world can you live as a light in the midst of darkness if your mind is not focused on something positive, something great, something glorious, something that is wonderful? we think about heaven, we think about God. Heaven, the place where God dwells. In order for us to have a stronger faith in Christ Jesus, we have to keep our minds focused in heaven. Focused on heaven. The third heaven where God dwells. The place of eternal bliss. The place of holiness. The place of perfection. Right now, the deceased righteous are in a place called paradise. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Luke 23, speaking to the thief on the cross. But there's a lot to paradise that God doesn't tell us. In fact, God doesn't tell us much about heaven. Luke 16 and verse 23 And in Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. Verse 25. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he is being comforted here, and you are in agony. So there's something about heaven. There's something about paradise. Revelation chapter 2. That God is not telling us, but it's stated here, that there are good things in paradise. Paradise is a good place. It is not a place of, I've heard some folks say, well, you just rest. It's not a place of just resting. There's joy and rejoicing. Paradise. Revelation 2 in verse 7. Jesus speaking to the church in Ephesus. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So when God speaks of paradise, he goes all the way back first to the physical paradise on earth. Genesis, please, chapter 1. Speaking of the Garden of Eden, God's garden. I would call it the Garden of God located in Eden. God's beautiful, blissful place. Think about how beautiful the garden was. Do you realize that on earth, regarding the living humans and the land, the earth, the Garden of Eden is the only uncursed thing. Everything else on the earth has been cursed. The Garden of Eden is the only place on the earth that has not been cursed. Genesis 1, God says in verse 31, And God saw all that He had made, and behold, it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day the earth was very good all the creation was very good but then sin came and man was expelled from the garden and the land outside was cursed and mankind was cursed the tree of life still existed that's why god set the flaming sword there so man could not go back into the garden, the uncursed part of the earth. Do you realize that in the heavenlies, the only place that's not cursed is a place with God? We have to keep our focus on God, the very good and abundant blessing, blessed place that is secure forever, where God's people will reside united and continual, continual presence of God. What a blessing. Keep your mind focused on I think about uh, Christians in this in this world, and the first thing is you got to see the world as a dark place. Right? I mean you got to see that first. If you can't see that you really don't understand the spiritual message that God reveals to us. And I look at the in the heavens, look at the, the second heavens if you will where where the stars are. And when I look up there and I see all of that darkness and then I see those little lights, the stars, the planets. I look out there and I think about the earth and I say, you know, what if that is a good image of what it's like on the earth? God looks down and he sees all of this darkness and yet spread out in the midst of all the darkness are these little lights. You and I, the little lights. We are the lights, the reflection of Jesus in the midst of, of this darkness, and our minds have to be fixated and focused in the heavenlies, in the place where God dwells. Second Corinthians chapter twelve. After paradise, when the earth is no more, that's heaven. It is very much worth your time, your energy, your effort, all of your energy and all of your effort. To strive to make it into heaven. It's worth your time. It's worth every moment of your life to make it into heaven. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 in verse 2, I know a man in Christ, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows such a man was called up to the third heaven. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know. God knows. Was caught up into paradise. And he heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. A heavenly language. Wow. Right? A heavenly language. Words. Words. In paradise, that a man is not permitted to speak. It's very worth, it's worth rather, all of your time and energy and effort to live your life faithfully to Jesus today to make it into heaven. John 14. There's something special about heaven that we're not told. But there are, there are so many inferences when you read the scripture about the heavenlies and about even paradise itself. One of the things I think about is in John 14, beginning at verse 1, when Jesus speaks to the disciples. And this is a, a comfort passage. You know, Jesus just tells Peter he's about to deny him. All the apostles are going to be scattered. And, and there's, there's much turmoil that's about to enter into their lives. And Jesus says to them in verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I find it fascinating that the heavens and the earth are made. But in Genesis, I mean John 14, Jesus after living on the earth and then ultimately becoming the perfect sacrifice and living as the perfect sacrifice while living on the earth, Jesus says, I've got something else I need to do. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. That tells me there's something special about the heavenlies. Because Jesus didn't prepare the place until he came to live as a human on the earth. That tells me there's something special about this place that God has in store for us. It is worth your time, your energy, and all of your effort to get into heaven to be with God. To transcend, if you will. To focus on heaven If the earth is as great as it is, think about your favorite thing you enjoy about the earth. If you can find something so great and so blissful and so wonderful on the earth, how much greater do you think heaven will be? When I think about God and heaven, I think about the uniqueness of our Lord. As you live on the earth in this dark, cruel world, and you focus on heaven, you begin to understand what Jesus means when he says that I give a peace, but not like the world gives. Notice, if you will, thinking about and focusing on heaven. In heaven, there will never be another trial in your life. Think about that. Be a, there will never, ever be another trial In your life. In heaven, greed is eliminated. Idolatry is no more. In the heavens, no more pride. In the heavens, no more prejudice. No more hatred. No more evil. No more wickedness. It's worth it to think about, to keep my mind in heaven. Tribulations are no more. No more tears. There's nothing to cry about. No more sorrow. No more suffering. Because Satan is gone. In the heavenlies, no more cheating. No more stealing. No more lying. No more heartache. In the heavenlies, no more jealousy. No more envy. No more competition. In the heavenlies. No more struggling. No more emotional trauma. Mental trauma. No more depression. No more clinical depression. No more mental illness. No more mental depravity. It's worth it to focus our minds in heaven. Romans chapter 8. By the grace of God, by the mercy of God, heaven is designed to be our home. How many of us will refuse it? How many of us love so much all of this evil that I spoke of a moment ago that will be no more? How many of us love it so much that we can't get our minds In the heavenly. And we're stuck, like I said last week, we're stuck in the earth. You don't have to get used to jealousy, envy, wickedness, pride, and sin. Don't get used to it. It's only here for a little while. Then we get to leave this earth, this old place. We are visitors here. We are we are people who are passing through. We are pilgrims. Don't make this place your forever home. God says in Romans 8, and verse 31, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ is he... Who died? Yes. Rather, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who also intercedes for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword? These are all earthly things, brethren. Earthly things. For just as it is written, our Lord. Look at Romans 8 and verse 1. There's no earthly comparison. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Glory? There is nothing on this earth that you can compare to heaven. Nothing. God says He wants His children to keep our minds focused on heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the greatness of heaven. Therefore, verse 16. We do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, excuse me, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Day, For momentary light afflictions is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The heavenlies. Keep your mind focused on heaven. Turn to Matthew. Chapter 19. How will we live faithfully to Jesus? How can we live honorably for Jesus? you got to keep your mind in heaven. While your body remains on the earth. Transcend. Jesus says this. Truly, truly, I say to you. It is hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom. Of heaven, And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, Then who can be saved? And looking upon them, Jesus said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. It amazes me to hear the arrogance of people in the world today who believe that they can work their way into heaven. Jesus said, with men, it's impossible. But we live by faith. We work the works of Jesus, and we allow God to reconcile us. If you haven't been baptized into Christ Jesus, you're trying to work your way into heaven. That old man has to die and be resurrected. There's absolutely no way that you can save yourself. We need God. We need the mercies of our Heavenly Father and our great God Jesus to save us and remove us from this land. And sometimes we get excited. We get excited about the works that we're doing on the earth. And we start praising the wrong things. And God said, that's not what we're supposed to do. Please turn to Luke chapter 10. Jesus has given us peace in a chaotic and a confusing world. The children of God have to learn one thing. We have to learn to want nothing from this world. How are we going to do that? How are we going to get to that point where we want nothing from this world? You don't really start thinking about that until you're on your deathbed. You know, but while on the earth, it just seems like we just, we just, you know, we just keep going and going and going and going and going and and we we need more and more and we gotta do this and do that and, and we forget to stop throughout our day and focus on the reason I'm living for Jesus and the reason I'm doing what I'm doing is to make it to the heavenlies to be with God forever and ever. And we get, we get focused or become focused and we, we get so stuck on the earth and we forget we forget the psalmist who said, the Lord is my shepherd, I, I shall not want. If God is our shepherd, then what, what more do we want? And the answer is, all. <laughs> we want it all. So we're just stuck. We're just stuck. Brethren, we have to, we have to transform our minds from, from this world to the, the heavens. Look at what Jesus said, Luke 10, verse 17. And the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and upon or over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. You see, don't, don't get the cart before the horse. Don't find so much joy in authority on this earth, or power, or fame, or whatever it may be. Rejoice, children of God. In the fact that our names are written, recorded in heaven. Turn to Psalm 84 please. It's, it's keeping our minds in the right place. Keeping our focus in the right place. A relationship with God should be enough. It should be all that we ever need while living on this earth and transitioning into our heavenly place. What did the psalmist say in 84.10? The psalmist said, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. To be with God is enough. Right? Maybe not. John chapter 4. Maybe not. We must master self. We must learn better the idea of self-denial. Allowing nothing to have control over us. But the struggle is our finite minds, we find it difficult to conceive the idea of wanting nothing from this world. Right? Our finite minds just struggle with this because we're flesh. And this old body, the flesh, continues to crave. It craves desires and, and pleasures. And we are limited. And oftentimes we give up on the spiritual because the flesh just it just keeps knocking at our door. It keeps craving worldly things. The flesh loves. It hungers after after love and control and power. God wants us to transition our minds. The flesh grows weak, but the spiritual mind can overcome. Jesus, in John chapter 4, he says this in verse 30. They went out of the city and were coming to him. And in the meanwhile, the disciples were requesting him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. The disciples, therefore, were saying to one another, No one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. What? That's not food. Jesus lived on that food for 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus fasted for 40. Can you imagine? Think about that. How many times have you said this after you've missed a meal? I'm starving. (laughs) Right? And that's in the same day and you already ate that day. (laughs) Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Because his mind was focused in the heavenlies. The spirit ruled the flesh. I'm sad, brethren, to say, I think in most of us, The flesh rules the spirit. John chapter 6 and verse 26. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man shall give to you. For on Him the Father, even God, has set His seal. When you work, work for heaven, not for yourself. When you work, work for Jesus, not for yourself. For Jesus says, the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Why should I succumb Turn to uh, Mark chapter 14. Why should I succumb to the flesh knowing that the flesh is as weak as it is? And that the mind has control over the flesh if we will just allow it to. It's difficult, isn't it? See, because all of our life we've grown up. We've grown up in Christ, outside of Christ, feeding the flesh. Feeding the flesh. Feeding the flesh. And then as a Christian, God says now, I want you to feed the spirit. I want you to feed your soul. That's who you are, right? Feed your soul. Feed the spiritual mind. The spiritual man, woman, child of God. Feed the spiritual. Feed the spiritual. Stop feeding the flesh. You say, but God, I've, I've lived by the fruit and the desires of the flesh all of my life. And now you're telling me to transform. That's right. That's what he's telling us to do. To transform our thinking. To no longer feed the flesh, but to feed the spirit. So Jesus, about to go to Gethsemane, to the cross, In Mark 14, in verse 38, the disciples are weary, and Jesus says to them, keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You keep on watching and keep on praying so you don't fall into Satan's trap. Do you know why we don't pray often enough? God, deliver me from temptation? Because temptation feeds our desires. Our desires is what we want. And that's what leads us into sin. Isn't that what James said in chapter 1? It's exactly what James said. And that's why we don't pray enough and say, Dear God, please lead me out of this temptation that I'm in right now. Because we want that temptation. It's a temptation because it's our desire. And our desire is of the flesh. And we get stuck in the flesh. We don't pray about our temptation. Because it's all about me. It's all about what I want. Oh God, please keep me off Facebook today. No, I'm not going to pray that. I want to be on Facebook today. Y'all get what I'm saying. What is it that I'm feeding the most? Am I feeding my soul or am I feeding my flesh? You see, the spirit, the soul of man, fights in an amazing battle. There's a battle right now going on in the heavenlies. We can't see it. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We cannot see the battle that's going on. We don't understand the battle that's going on. You go back into the Old Testament and you begin to read about some of the spiritual battles that are going on. In the spirit world, we we can't see it. We don't know what's happening. Thank God we can't see it. If we could, we'd probably faint. But in the spirit world, there's this battle that's going on continuously. And God says, I want you to live, live in the soul. Live with Jesus. Feed the soul. Feed the soul. And remember that the fight, the struggle, is not against my fellow man. Oh, but how we love to fight each other, don't we? We love it, don't we? It's just our joy. I don't know what's wrong with us. We love to fight until someone's bigger and better than us, and then we don't want to fight, right? The guy that's stronger than you, you don't want to fight. But the guy that's weaker than you, I want to fight him. What's wrong with us? We're feeding the flesh. That's what's wrong with us. Verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers of, against the world forces of this darkness. Against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Not my battle, Lord. My battle's right here. I'm just trying to get that next whatever. Jesus said, stop feeding the flesh, church. Stop feeding the flesh. He made the statement. In Mark 4, and verse 4, he said, Man shall not live, or Matthew 4, rather, verse 4, and Luke 4, by bread alone. Really? But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone. Turn to Matthew 6, please. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How much of God's word do I have in me? How much of it's in me? Maybe that's why I'm starving spiritually. There's not enough of it in me. And Jesus says in Matthew 6, in verse 25, For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, not for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? I don't know. What do you think, church? Or am I just stuck in the material? I'm not able, because I'm not willing to, feed the soul. Let's go to Genesis 4, and then another scripture, and we'll close. Genesis 4, beginning at verse 4, Cain and Abel. I want to to grab just a thought from this tragic moment. In verse 4, the Bible says, And Abel on his part also brought of the firstlings of his flock of their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, Will not your counsel be lifted up? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you. But you must master it. You know, if you do the right thing, you'll eliminate so many struggles in your life. Just doing the right thing. Yeah, he's doing the wrong stuff that gets us into trouble, Right? You know, you tell a lie, and then you have to have a good memory because you got to tell another lie later on. You know, eventually you get caught, right? And you've got to come back to doing the right stuff anyway. If you do the right thing, God says, if, if you do what's well, speaking to Cain, if you do the right thing, you, you eliminate so many heartaches in your life. If you just focus on doing the right thing. You know what James says. James says, To him who knows the right thing to do and does it not to him, it is sin. So do the right thing. You see, you'll eliminate so many struggles in your life if you just do the right thing. Stay focused in heaven. And finally, Romans chapter 6. He says to Cain, You must master it. God demands and has demanded from the beginning of time that man becomes the master of his own soul. You've got to master your mind. Right? God is the master mind. You have to master your mind. I have to master my mind. I've got to be in control. I have to be willing to step back and refocus my mind on a regular and a continual basis. I have to keep my mind in heaven, focused and fixated on God. In verse 12, the Bible says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead, And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you. For you are not under law but under grace. This demand and command of God. Comes right after baptism. Romans 6, 3 and 4. To surrender your life to Jesus. To be immersed in water. And resurrected and become new. And once you become new. Master your mind. Control yourself. Keep your mind focused on God, on the heavenlies, and on the Word of God. Today, if you've not surrendered to God in the waters of baptism, we invite you to do so. To have heard His Word and believed it. To be willing to, re- to repent. To have godly sorrow. To turn your life around. To make that good confession that you believe Jesus is Lord, the Christ, the Son, the Son, of the living God, and then be baptized, immersed in water for the remission of your sins. Today, if you're struggling in your heart, and you would like prayers made in your behalf, or just prayers in general, make it known. Contact us. Communicate with us. And we still have the water ready. We're ready for those who would like to surrender to Christ in baptism. And we're always ready for those who would like prayers made in their behalf. If we can help in any way, please make it known. In a moment, we're going to stand and sing a song invitation. And we invite you at that time. And please contact us if you are online, if we can help you in any way. God bless you. And thank you for your time.